You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Phil Mackey, Judd Zogad. Don't you like to see these two blood Absolutely. Oh, yeah. scumbags going after each other? Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Reckless speculation. Reckless speculation. With no regard for human life. Here's some for you. Got a Woj bomb brewing, maybe, maybe. There's right. been some talk. So there was a report from Fox Sports. Nick Wright from Fox Sports. Fox, but he does the morning TV show with Chris Carter. He reported in the last couple days that he was told for a fact by a source in the know that a contending NBA championship team, like an NBA championship contender, attempted to trade for LeBron James in the past week. Mm-hmm. To add intrigue, and this doesn't fit that story because this team isn't a contender, Adrian Wojnarowski just tweeted, the Lakers and the Cavs are in serious discussions about a trade of some kind, but he didn't say who. So I don't know if it's like role players, but maybe it's LeBron. Reckless speculation. How getting ba- sick of Cleveland. How about if it's just Isaiah Thomas? Who hasn't fit in in Cleveland at all, it seems. Right, but then is your backcourt Lonzo Ball and Isaiah Thomas? I don't know. I'm just, I am going along with the amount of reckless speculation no. that's going on until 2 o'clock today. Speaking of reckless. Can't rec- get enough of it. It's it's pretty much going to be our show until the football season starts next year, until twin season starts. Reckless speculation. Uh, here's more. We threw this guy's name out early in our off-season quarterback discussions, but... Lance emails the show a couple days ago. Save this one. Since you guys are fired up about your audience needing a better perspective on the quarterback situation with the Vikings, let's take the conversation to another level. Why not Eli Manning? If the Vikings only have a one- to three-year window to win a championship, how is the older veteran not the better option? Yeah, he's 37, but so what? He's a proven commodity who's never really been injured, a two-time champion, why is that not a more attractive option next season than a one-legged quarterback who hasn't seen the field for two years and no matter how you skew the numbers, is average at best, Teddy Bridgewater? What would get you to think about trading for Eli Manning, who, by the way, is owed, I think, $50 million or close to it the next two years. So you would have to pay him quite a bit. I'm sure you could actually get him for a lot less than a first-round pick. If they draft a quarterback, oh yeah, they probably early on, be, like they probably take have a third round pick or something. Take him. Um, it, it, let's say it's a third round pick for Eli Manning. I would, in fairness to the conversation, I would have to do a little bit more digging to give you a complete answer. But well, since this is reckless speculation, well, let me help you just real quick. The last three years of Eli Manning, his average sixteen games looks like this. 63% complete. He's never been a huge completion percentage guy, but, yeah, you know. That's what they were supposed enough. to get up when McAdoo came. Yeah. 4,000 yards, 27 touchdowns, 15 interceptions, and a passer rating of 87. So, like, actually very, it, very league average, but ability to put up some big numbers in big games. Here's my thought, because I'm because this all of these discussions are based on can you improve the situation that, that you currently have, and would you improve a lot over case? And Eli doesn't do, at this point, 
in his career doesn't do that much for me. So unless I went back and could find justification for he would fit in the system really well, it just doesn't intrigue me much. It yeah. just doesn't. I, I agree with you. I think, well, I mean, I think like there is some appeal in that, okay, you kind of know what you're getting with an Eli, and maybe if you put him with a good coordinator again and you, you buy into him for a couple of years, and and the and if you give him a defense, he's obviously able to get hot and win a couple of Super Bowls. So I I could see it. But Eli Manning throughout his entire career is the definition of an average NFL quarterback. I mean, whether whether it's his passer rating or whether it's just, you know, the eye test and you watch him and he's kind of inaccurate. He's not the most dynamic leader. He's a good soldier. His career passer rating is about the same as Christian Ponder's. It's like 83 and a half. Mm-hmm. Now that includes four atrocious years at the beginning that bring that number way down. And if you just take... Take those years off the top, and then you know, take the last ten years. His his passer rating is a lot higher. Um, it just doesn't intrigue me. Yeah, it really does. For the money you'd have to pay, and then give up a draft pick, I'd rather roll with the combination of Case Keenum and Teddy Bridgewater. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, it's it's the one because we we I think when we started these conversations initially, we did include that one, and I believe it was uh, either second to last or last on, on my list, and that has not changed. If I'm looking. If I'm looking at solutions for how can I best, uh, with no quarterbacks essentially under contract for 2018, how can I put myself when I'm in the window to be as successful as possible, Eli Manning doesn't jump off the page at me. Well, how about this one? This is another one. Actually, Matthew Collar wrote about this guy on 1500ESPN.com. He's been in the league five seasons, six seasons in the league, five seasons as a starter, and he missed the entire year with a knee injury last year. The Dolphins, there's talk that they might release Ryan Tannehill, who was a first-round pick. I believe, right? Yeah, he was. Uh, he was yep. a top ten overall yes, pick. He, he was eighth like overall, number eight. Yep. Ryan Tannehill, four thousand yards, a couple different seasons. He's put up some touchdowns. Like, there's some numbers, and there's his. He looks like a quarterback, but Miami is such a crappy infrastructure; it's hard to gauge. Yep. He's only twenty nine years old. Yep. Ryan Tannehill, uh, for a third round pick, let's say. Yes, it would intrigue me. Here's my starting point, though. If the question is, is you, because you can probably re-sign Teddy and franchise case. So if the starting point of all of these discussions are Tannehill or that, I probably stay in-house. Manning or that, I stay in-house. The Alex Smith thing intrigued me a lot. Uh, the Cousins the cousin solution would really intrigue me if he wasn't going to be so damn much. Uh, Tannehill, I think, if I was to list this, would be above the Manning option. But that being said, if I then came back to one year of franchise case and I can find out there and possibly allow him to walk away after 2018 and the chance to re-sign Teddy to a reasonable incentive-laden contract where I can definitely find out about him, I think the in-house option in both those cases, I'd stick with that. Yeah, you know, the, the appeal with a guy like Ryan Tannehill, so obviously, you know, big profile in college, he was a top 10 overall pick, he's got a big frame, and he just, like, he looks like a franchise quarterback just in terms of like watching him throw, and he's got a pretty big arm. I always wonder about guys like him, David Carr from 15 or 20 years ago, if they just get stuck in a really bad situation right away, is there this glass ceiling on what they can accomplish? If you were to take them out relatively early or in time and put them in a better situation, what would they do? I mean, throughout his career, forget about the knee injury for a second, he's had... Three different head coaches, if you include Dan Campbell for most of the 2015 season. So he's had Adam Gaze, Joe Philbin, and Dan Campbell. Joe Philbin turned out to be a disaster. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, he's had, I think, multiple different offensive coordinators. 
They can't really find a regular running back. They've had like three different starting running backs throughout his career. So they've, and, you know, their defense has been okay at times, but it's not a top defense. And, that, and it's a dumpster fire franchise. That's why if it's you put him in an actual me. good franchise, yes. which the Vikings have. That's why, yes. Could his game go to a new level? So I'm, you know, maybe the answer is he's just a league average quarterback, and you'd have to pay him twenty million dollars anyways. But the question is, would, would you would you give up what the Vikings currently could have for Tannehill? I would not. Probably not. Now, if it came down to hey, the Arizona Cardinals just gave Case Keenum an absurd amount of money for three years, and it's either Bridgewater or maybe you could get Tannehill for a third round pick. I would, yeah, you know, I would look at those options. But I, you know, but he's coming off yes. a knee injury too, not as devastating. I'd be more concerned about Teddy's knee injury than. I think Tannehill was just a standard ACL, just right? an ACL tear, yeah. right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. If if Keenum, if you didn't franchise Keenum and, and he left, the Tannehill option um, gives me a lot more cause to pause and think about it than Eli. Eli, I just don't see it. Not at his age now. And I don't think there's that much left there. Yeah, and even at his best, like if you take away the two Super Bowl rings, just like with Joe Flacco, if you take away the Super Bowl ring, and they get credit for those. They got hot in the postseason, and they rode the wave, and they won Super Bowls. You would never put those guys in Hall of Fame discussions, especially Flacco. But Eli Manning might get strong Hall of Fame oh, consideration because to. of the two Super Bowl runs. I think he will. But if you take those away and then put on the age 37 and the $50 million over the next couple of years, and I don't know. He's going to, to be considered for the Hall in part because a wide receiver pinned a ball to his helmet in miraculous fashion. <laughs> yes. Yes. I love sports. It's incredible. You could play that game up and down, by the way. But that's, I mean, part of that, part of why he's going to possibly go into Canton is because a man miraculously pinned a ball to his helmet, and I still don't know how he did it. A guy who has 30 career catches. David Tyree is in their front office now. I don't know if people know that. I did not know that. He's in the New York Giants front office. Um, Let's come back here. Let's... Reckless speculation. More reckless Viking speculation here in the TCL broadcast studios. John Krasinski from the Athletic on Wolves trade deadline stuff. Let's let's see what he's hearing behind the scenes, and we can talk more about that game last night. And just that that might have been the best game in the NBA all season. And LeBron James just hits a ridiculous fadeaway. So we'll talk about that. Uh, Woj might be ready to drop a bomb. I don't know if this is LeBron that's being rumored to be traded to the Lakers or somebody else, but he says Cavs and Lakers. We have a major trade made between those two teams just now. Really? Confirmed from Woj. All right, we'll get to all of that when we come back here. Mackie and Judd now continue. I want you to do it. The good Lord wants you to do it. You really think so? I know so. On 1500 ESPN. I'm tired of being traded. I mean, that's not a good thing, but... I just want to be where I want to, and um, I, I, I like it here. I mean, it, it's it hasn't been as as planned, but I, I I definitely want to be here. We have a a real chance to win the NBA championship, and I want to be a part of that. It ain't LeBron, but it's uh, it's a blockbuster deal in the NBA here. Mm-hmm. Lakers and Cavaliers. According to Adrian Wojnarowski, the most plugged-in sports reporter in the history of the world, uh, he says Cleveland is sending Isaiah Thomas and Channing Frye to the Lakers for Jordan Clarkson and Larry Nance Jr., league sources tell ESPN. The Cavs also send their 2018 first-round pick over to the Lakers. So, Isaiah, this has been a disaster. Isaiah Thomas, you know, he was injured for the first part of the season. 
He averaged almost 30 points a game last year, down to like 14 points a game this year. Just yep. wasn't a fit. He's a terrible defensive player. There's been a lot of internal strife with the Cavs. So this feels like just a just a almost a dump. Like get this guy off the rod. Jordan Clarkson's okay. He's like 15 points a game, but he's say, kind of a volume scorer. What do Fry and Clarkson bring to Cleveland? So Clarkson's kind of a volume scorer, uh, combo guard type player. Nance, I believe it's his third year in the NBA now. And he's a power forward, you know, six foot nine, six foot ten, and he'll grab some rebounds. He's had some double doubles and stuff, so maybe this helps shore up defensively a little bit uh, by just getting rid of Isaiah Thomas, and maybe it helps with the behind the scenes stuff. But I have a hard time believing that with Kevin Love out with an injury, Dwayne Wade is a hundred. Um, Isaiah Thomas thing didn't work. It's LeBron James and kind of a cast of just you know, it's like LeBron James ten years ago with the Cavs. Mm-hmm. He's carrying this roster. I don't think they're going to beat the Celtics with this team. Or if they beat, get past the Celtics, they're not going to beat the Warriors with this team I was team going right to say, now. LeBron can't do that at this point by himself, can he? The, no. I'd, can he beat the Celtics by himself? Maybe. I mean, the Warriors, I don't... If Gordon Hayward I, comes Warriors, back at some point. The Warriors, I think the answer point, is no. Uh, yeah, the answer is for sure no. So that's that's the blockbuster that just went down in the NBA. You know what's funny? Um, you give up a record number of three-pointers to the Timberwolves... And they still won the game the Cavs did last night, but they've been just off the they rails the last up, month and a they half. They give them 19, Phil. That's a team that doesn't shoot threes very well, the Wolves. And they <laughs> shot a, a franchise record, made a franchise record number of threes last night. And uh, the Cavs wind up pulling the trigger on this. The NBA trade deadline so, is pretty fun. Like, the offseason's more fun. But they, there's the potential for these huge blockbuster deals that just don't happen in the NFL. So Isaiah Thomas was the one who started the strife with Kevin Love, correct? In, in the locker room when when he accused. Before Love got hurt, didn't Love not play in a game or said he was sick? And Isaiah Thomas said, you weren't sick? He left a game early That's and what it was, didn't yeah. show for practice the next day. Yeah. And Thomas was, was the one who tried to confront him. I think they all I think they all sat Big down. team meeting. Yeah, to try and clear the air, and Thomas accused him of, of faking it. Yeah. It's not a very good teammate, I guess. Well, here, here's another thing, too. The ESPN's The Undefeated points this out. So the initial trade last summer was basically Kyrie Irving for Isaiah Thomas. Yeah. And some peripheral pieces. I mean, like, uh, the Cavs got Crowder and a pick. Mm-hmm. So the the Cavs actually got quite a bit if Isaiah Thomas was going to be meat and potatoes. So did they wind up trading Kyrie Irving for like Jordan Clarkson and Larry Nance and a peripheral piece? Basically, yes, absolutely. Oof. Yeah. 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 They got they would have been better off if they could have done it, which I'm guessing they could have to do business with the Wolves. I think you I think you had a fight if you had stuck to it and you're the Cavs, I think you had a fighting chance to get Wiggins. Don't you? And can you imagine now, now that we know people were still putting up a fight about Wiggins during the summer, let's be honest, like, he's not a max player. Watch him play. He'll score points once in a while. The guy was out there in an overtime game playing 40 minutes and grabbed a combined three rebounds and assists last night. But I think the... If you had him off the roster and Kyrie Irving as the point guard, and then maybe you would have signed, you know, a, a, a sharpshooter to play wing or something... Man, so you'd have Jimmy Butler, Kyrie Irving, and Carl Anthony Towns. You'd be in title contention mode right now. Yep, and and where the Cavaliers would have benefited was, at least in that case, you know that Andrew would not have gotten up in the locker room and accused Kevin Love of faking something because, for the most part, he says almost nothing. Yeah. I wonder what the deal is. There's something, obviously, about Kevin Love's personality that just rubs every locker room he's ever been in the wrong way. Well, 
Has he ever been in the locker room where his teammates went to die for him? And, and lo- You will see all these clips where he'll be on the ground writhing in pain and nobody will help him up on his own team. Yeah. It's been like that for 10 years. Just in the time that, that he was here, he started to drive you crazy, though. I mean, I can see it. Listen, when you clearly break your hand in some fashion and you're so lazy as to allow it to be knuckle push-ups, it's not just us who, who calls BS. Your teammates are going to be like, dude, you're really putting that out there? Yeah. Knuckle push-ups when you got in a fight probably with somebody over probably a girl mm-hmm. and you're and you're going to put out knuckle push-ups? I think he is. I think Kevin is an eminent. He came here and he tried very hard, but I think ultimately what we found is he is an eminently unlikable human being. And that's just him. Yeah. And I think it translates to the public eventually, your teammates, because you could see right through that stuff. Here's another thing, too. I, I, I think Isaiah Thomas's contract does expire after the year. Pretty sure that's the case. So this wouldn't prevent. One thought I had was does this now. In a roundabout way, does this prevent the Lakers from going after LeBron James in free agency? But I believe Isaiah Thomas becomes a free agent, mm-hmm. so uh, they should be fine. By the way, I just went to the Boston Celtics. I went to the Isaiah Thomas uh, Spotrack page where they track contracts. It's being crashed by people going to it. People want to know, what's his contract? Oh, what's his contract? <laughs> the Isaiah Thomas contract page at, at Sportrack.com Not working. crashed right now. 504 gateway timeout. Think about how quick, though, that this comes yeah, to an agent. end. He's a free agent. He's an expiring contract. So how, how many games did he play uh, for the Cavs then? 15 or 20? Yeah, that's re- that's a remarkable flame out it where is. they decide we can't have you here. But then, like, on the LeBron side, uh, is John Krasinski would be aimed for him later in the show, by the way. I think he's probably caught up in NBA breaking news mode. There might be going person. on. There yeah. might be wolf stuff going on. Unreachable right now. So important to the The Athletic yes. is sitting on big news. That's all we know. Yes. Um, LeBron James, like of all the things that you could rank in the last several years, the drama surrounding LeBron James, this whole Isaiah Thomas flameout, I'd love to know more about it. You know, he came over. They were working out together in the offseason, and all right, let's make this happen. We got Kyrie out of here. He doesn't want to be here. And now Isaiah Thomas is my right-hand man, 15 games into it, and it's like they can't work together. Yep. It wasn't even like, let's try to make this work. Let's iron out the kinks. They traded him for Jordan Clarkson and Larry Nance Jr., <laughs> two bench players. And as you just said, too, didn't they give up a first-round draft pick in that whole thing as well? Yes. So basically, um, here's the interesting thing to me about a guy like like LeBron, who is so talented and so good, but personality-wise, and very smart, but personality-wise, the one thing that I've always found really intriguing about him is the amount of, of drama he loves to embrace. And what's the line there? What's the line of... That you can walk up to, right? So, like, you just like drama. I mean, he clearly does. If things are going well and things are quiet, he's on Instagram. What's the fine line that you can go up to before all hell breaks loose? Because clearly, that's what what has transpired here, right? Like, eventually it got... Because last year, I want to say, it was some type of Instagram post that he did or Twitter. It was all very sort of, okay, LeBron, you're, you're being you're being yourself. I get that. But this one is really curious to me because basically it took it to the line and then everything went haywire. Yeah, I, I, it's... And then there was there's talk about now like, Ty Lue is on the outs. Well, they got, you know, it was two years ago that... They got David Blatt fired when they had the number one record in the Eastern Conference, and Ty Lue took over, and they won the championship, and and then they went to the finals last year, and, and now you, now they're like now they're done with Ty Lue maybe and, at some point. And it's, if you it's weird, and if you coach the Cavs, 
you basically ad- adhere to what LeBron wants. ESPN.com crashed too. What? Yeah, unless it's just like our internal internet. No, it's probably the, I've never seen ESPN.com. Not in years crashed. Yeah, I think, I mean, this is big news, though. We're talking Lakers on, and go, LeBron's team. I'm going to check this out. A lot of people are mashing no, these good on No, ESPN. I'm great. Yeah, no. Okay. ESPN. It's my your computer. Do you need a new computer? computer? Yeah, my old computer wow. here is working like a charm. Yeah, you should would, throw that thing out. Would you like to borrow my 2010 computer? It's amazing that that thing still operates. I ask it to do very little. You use it for like 15 hours a day. I know, but I write stories, but I don't have, <laughs> have lots of stuff here. I write stories. Yep. I go. I go to websites. Yeah, sports yeah. websites. It's and a work. Com- it's no, no. It's a work computer. I, I've never understood work guy who gets computer, and then goes to websites they shouldn't. Always been a big source of I don't get it to me. So I like go to time ESPN. wasting sites. I go to ESPN like YouTube. No, I go to that. I'm talking about sites that you shouldn't go to. I'm talking well, about... Well, just because society tells you you shouldn't go to it. <laughs> Why are you being all judgy and preachy, Judd? I'm... Don't be I, such a conformist. How do you feel about guns? You go to the websites and you buy the guns that you want to. <laughs> I got nothing for you guys. All right. I Dave, what kind of questions you. do you have when we come back? Awesome, awesome <laughs> questions. I got a little trade deadline speculation, a little Olympics, and uh, something amazing that Mike Golick described about what's going on right now in Philadelphia that I want to question you guys about as well. The Mackie and Judd Show rolls on. Are you guys ready to have some fun? On 1500 ESPN. Now on Mackie and Judd. Do you believe in past lives? Did we ever really land on the moon? Questions. What are the six degrees that separate you and Kevin Bacon? Of significant importance. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Dave Harrigan's got some questions for us here. Matthew Collar will join a little later uh, for some more Vikings offseason fodder, but... Take the floor here, Dave. Fire away. Yeah, second. Johnny Krasinski texting me at this very moment. Oh, on-air production Oh, meeting. he was stuck in an interview. Oh, I see how it is. That's Trade fine. deadline. Yeah. Fodder. It yeah. Better, this better be like breaking news. Breaking news. Yeah, it better be. Let's talk to him next segment. How's okay. that? Sounds good. All right. We'll get some uh, some Wolves trade deadline stuff. We- yeah. We'll get our own interview with you, Johnny. Thanks mm-hmm. a lot. Um, all right. Let's talk about the Olympics since we talked about Judd's disinterest in anything that's not hockey or football or baseball or basketball earlier. I would like you guys to suggest some improvements to the Olympics. I know, Phil, you're sort of fringe interested. You'll turn it on once in a while, basically, right? That's kind of your level of interest. Um, yeah. Yes. I would say there's going to be things I want to watch. If there's a, an emotional, heart-wrenching episode of This Is Us, I'm going to watch that. That's fair. Okay. But Luckily, then Olympics follow. The Olympics are on NBC, so you won't see any emotional, sure. heart-wrenching episodes till February 27th, actually. Wow, thank you for yeah. <laughs> nailing the date. <laughs> All right, give me a sport activity competition, something that can be done to the Olympics, summer or winter, I don't care, that can further pique your interest or get you interested at all in Judd's case. I'd like to hear from Judd on this because I've got two ideas. Like he's the sort of the subject. Here. I've got two ideas. Uh, one is is a direct answer to the question, and the second one is uh, way way bigger picture and is going to upset people, but that's too bad. Uh, the first one is this: hockey goes to the summer games. If you put hockey in the summer games, you eliminate the problem of shutting down a season. And for all of you who now said, "But hockey's a winter sport," Zolgad. Keep in mind, basketball is also played in the winter, and they play that in the summer games. So I em- make it roller hockey. So I immediately, yeah, Jason Zucker would be a star. So I immediately 
would shift the hockey competition into the summer games. I think that would be a better way to uh, uh, to potentially draw National Hockey League players. You wouldn't have to shut down their season. I'm not big on playing international um, events if I'm a GM or I own a team, but at least if it's in the summer, I'll probably listen to the argument a little bit more. The other thing is, and this is going to upset a lot of people, but too damn bad. The Olympic Games must be played in time zones that are friendly to the United States and Canada. I'm not having any of this 15-hour stuff, okay? So you're not getting games that are 15 hours, in our case, ahead. It's going to be very difficult for people here to watch games. The Olympics are a corrupt enterprise to start off with that are all about one thing, and that is endorsements and making as much Money as possible. So if you give me that purity crap, I call BS on you. So here's what we got. We've got we've got Olympic Games. Summer and winter are only played in places that are friendly to time zones in the United States and Canada to start off with. So they are no longer a world event. If you want to watch them across the world, be my guest. I don't care. Wow. Awfully Hell salty. You, China. Yeah, it's just, Awfully listen, salty. it's an incredibly corrupt enterprise to start off with, and it's all about the bottom line, so let's just admit to that and have it so that, that the United States can give you as much of their money as possible. You know, someone tweeted earlier in the show of uh, calling you out for being a hypocrite when it comes to your hockey fandom that you won't watch a bunch of American players playing for their country in a world competition, but you will root for professional, hired, contracted Basically, mm-hmm. mercenaries. Yes, who just like drift from team to team and sign contracts and wear random laundry. Like oh, that yes. gets you up more than yes. Because <laughs> because the problem right now is uh, playing for the U.S. team in the hockey competition in these games is going to be uh, some guy who last week was working behind the counter at Hertz, and I don't care. I want the best. I want the best in the world, but I get why they're not there. Because why in the hell would Doug you Mankiewicz, go? You know, as an amateur baseball player, one. No, gold medal that's one time. Good for him. But why on earth? There's a wild pro- top wild prospects going to be. On yes, show, but on that's what that's one guy. He wasn't working. By the way, that's one guy playing on Team Russia, which isn't really a team because they can't really represent Russia. So they're this independent. It's all. It's just all a bunch of crap. Not to mention these kids playing for the Olympics are actually busting their ass and giving effort as they're you not have to kids. get in hockey. They're not kids. They're old well, men. You know what I mean? They're not college hockey kids, players. This is not, not 1980. Don't even try and go there. This is absolute crap. The point is, no, they're actually no going to work hard. Run versus no you go to every bleep and wild game, and then come back and complain about the lack of effort. What's your point? I'm saying, if you want to see people that are trying hard to win a hockey game, maybe you should turn on the Olympics once. The in a while. Olympic hockey competition falls under the Zolgad rules of God bless you for playing, but you might as well be playing in a beer league in Blaine at 3 p.m. I hope you don't die of heart attacks. Then spare us. Don't put on like a random Sweden versus Czechoslovakia no, 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 game. Those, those on the are the TV world or... juniors. I love those. Those okay. are real players. You, I guarantee you, I will not come in here one day and turn on any hockey. Maybe the women's. Do we have anything today? By the way, is it? Does it start tomorrow? Uh, when no, did the competition uh, start? The stuff started actually started yesterday. Oh, so we could probably turn on one of these channels right now and see some. I don't know if there's anything on You're right find now. There was you? some early stuff this morning, go. and then there's some stuff later. Oh, we got the U.S. figures. Oh, this is the U.S. Figure Skating Championships. Let's get. Let's do not, this. This is seven ice dancing. Let's get Judd a little primer here on NBC Sports Network. So here's how I would tweak the Olympics, okay? I'm going to start with an anecdote from um, the year 2000, and then, I'll, and then I'll drift into what I would change, okay? This is from November 5th, 2000. Uday Hussein, who is, I believe, the son of 
the late yeah. Saddam Hussein. Uday and Kusay were the sons, yep. right? Lived up to his reputation as football's worst loser last week when three Iraqi soccer stars were imprisoned and tortured as punishment for the national side's ignominious exit from the Asian Cup. The soccer-mad son of Saddam, the Iraqi dictator, also sacked all of the National Football Federation, sparing, not surprisingly, only himself as its chief. A prison is located in the building's basement where Hashim Abdul and somebody else I can't pronounce, three players, were beaten, whipped, and tortured for three days by Uday's bodyguards before being released because of the loss in the Asian Cup. I don't know if we need full prison torture, but I think we need a little punishment, a little incentive to play better in some of these, like to perform better. Okay, It's not good enough to incentivize with gold, silver, and bronze medals at the top. I think we need some kind of a relegation system here in the Olympics. Either dissolve the country or some sort of maybe mild physical punishment. If you finish last in the luge competition, I think we need some sort of relegation system at the bottom of the standings for teams that don't collect enough medals and successful results. That's right. So if Canada fails miserably in the Olympics, then you know what? For the next four years... You're all United States. Like you can do, we get to do whatever we want with you. That's right. Toronto, we get to take it over. Montreal, Vancouver, it's now a suburb of Seattle. You lose in the luge. They send you down without the sled. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> little, little, you know, maybe a this little. This is very harsh. I sort of like it. Maybe a little I taser wa- for I the bobsled team, okay, on live TV. Talk about incentive. Yeah, you're right. I don't think we need three days of torture, but, you know, maybe we. Maybe we put a few poisonous snakes in the den, and the uh, and the you know Jamaican bobsled team has to dodge them for ten minutes on NBC Sports Network. If we can watch it, I'm all for it. Okay. Yes, if we can watch it, I'd love to see that. Cool. Quick question: Should Wolves and or Wild fans be upset if their respective teams do not make a deal before the trade deadline? NBA just a couple hours from now, uh, NHL at the end of the month. I think the Wild fans and uh, players in the room should be much more upset than the Wolves. I mean, the Wolves could definitely add some shooters. Like they, I know they made a bunch of threes last night. They could use maybe a little upgrade defensively over here, maybe a three-point shooter over there. They're, they're certainly not the Warriors or the Rockets. But the Wild, they're scrapping to get in. They're in the toughest division in the NHL. There's really no bottom-feeding team in the division. And... They're just, by all definitions, kind of a league average team that struggles in puck possession, too. Um, so for like the seventh straight year, they might need the GM to come in and save the day at the trade deadline by sparking things. I don't think you can say with a straight face that this wild team is primed for a playoff run. You could say pretty definitively that this Wolves team without any major upgrades could easily get to the second round and maybe even make some noise, depending on who they play in the second round. Uh, Phil's right, and I would say Wolves-wise, I would probably air, air towards standing pat. Uh, the only thing that I would do if I was the Wild would be if I felt that I was falling out at the deadline, I would bail out and trade and try and trade like an Eric Stahl. Um, if they do what Louis suggested, which is trade prospects or draft picks for a defenseman, which they might do, I think they're crazy. I've seen, so you can make the argument that, hey, you know, Judd, eight seeds can make long runs, and I've seen it happen, and I'll tell you what, the one thing that you see is around this time, you look at a team that's going to be an eighth seed, Nashville, the Kings a few years back, and you say to yourself, all right, 
that team's an eight seed, but they're really good. The Wild ain't that. So I would much rather see both teams stand pat, and I would not be critical if they did. If the Wild wants to trade a veteran or two, I'm fine there, but I would actually be more upset and criticize them if they tr- if they make a trade for a run. That would be worse to me. Okay. Um, two questions session, because we're going to pause and get to uh, John Krasinski athletic. Third was- question is really upset right now. Well, we can come back to the third question. I'm just later. letting you know how third question is already talking my ear off. Very upset. We'll have third question. I mean, talk to the production crew and whoever was interviewing John Krasinski or vice versa. <laughs> I mean, did he double book? Let's talk to him next when we come back here. Big blockbuster trade in the NBA and uh, the Timberwolves. Are they going to do anything here at the trade deadline? Phil Mackey. He's pretty irreplaceable for us. He does a lot of things that go unnoticed. Judd Zolgad. Such a good dude. I have the utmost respect for him. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. 1500 ESPN and Sprint want to send you to the 1500 ESPN campus, or actually just the ESPN campus, the mothership in Bristol. Our campus is awesome, too. University Avenue. That would be awesome, too, but we'll send you out to Bristol, Connecticut. You and a guest. Round trip airfare to Bristol to get an exclusive tour of ESPN. You can sit in during Golik and Wingo, meet the boys and more. Also, uh, you, well, you can do that by stopping into any participating Minnesota Sprint store between now and tomorrow is the last day to do it. To enter to win this trip that money cannot buy, details 1500ESPN.com, keyword Sprint in this portion of Mackie and Judd. Brought to you by Fratelloni's Ace Hardware and Garden Stores. Proud sponsor of the Beer Show, 6-7 to seven tonight. Green throws it ahead to LeBron, makes the catch, he spins, he fires! Oh, he nailed it! LeBron James from the foul line! A turnaround jumper to win it in dramatic fashion off the long Jeff Green inbounds pass as LeBron has won it for the Cavaliers. Cavs 140, Timberwolves 138. What a night! For LeBron James. That was Johnny Krasinski from The Athletic. We'll talk some trade deadline here. By the way, uh, Lakers and Cavs, pretty big blockbuster. Isaiah Thomas and Channing Fry and a first-round pick to the Lakers for Jordan Clarkson and Larry Nance Jr. But uh, LeBron James went full triple-double beast mode last night. Um, Were you more like just enamored with how amazing that game was or annoyed by some of the things that cost the Wolves at the end, like defensive placement and things like that what was your main takeaway last night johnny yeah i mean at at one point you just you do have to tip your cap to just an unbelievable individual performance by lebron james i mean there's no question about it he kind of willed his team to, to the win um but there's no question also that one thing that this that the wolves have really struggled to do is play defense on the road this year, and that was about, especially in the first half, was about as poor a defensive effort as you could give. And so that, you know, their unwillingness or inability to defend at any uh, possible, with any kind of vigor or any kind of strength at all, really just kind of put them into that position to allow LeBron James to steal that win because they shouldn't have. They shouldn't have won that game. The Timberwolves should have won that game if they put together any defensive effort at all. But then LeBron just was able to take over down the stretch. And so um, when when you when you mess around like they did for for a lot of that game, then you just say here to uh, to just a trans you know transcendent talent here take the game, and that's what he did. So John, how much of that uh, deficiency defensively on the road is the players themselves, and how much has to go back on coaching and Tibbs? Well, it's a little bit of both, I think. I mean, 
they, they do have stretches, especially at home, where they play well and execute. And so you have to say that if the players are certainly responsible for it in some stretch because they do do it in, in, in other points. And, and they do show their ability in stretches of games to be a, at least a good defensive team. Not a great one, but at least solid enough to support what is an incredible offense for them. Uh, but, you know, the other thing that is on Tom Thibodeau and, and this coaching staff is when it is breaking down, when they are not getting that effort and that execution, you have to be able to reach the guys on some level and try some different things, pull some different punches, do something to change the, the outcome and to change, change the way that things are going. And, and a lot of times on the road, Tibbs hasn't had the answer for it from an X's and O's standpoint either. So I think both sides of the equation here are, are equally to blame for, for ineptitude at that level that we saw last night. Yeah. Uh, Johnny, why are there 50 players in the NBA who average more field goal attempts per game than Carl Anthony Towns? Yeah, it, it is um, it, it's a head-scratcher. There's no doubt about it, Phil. And sometimes, I will say on some nights, Carl is to blame because he doesn't move his feet, he's not active enough, he doesn't kind of do the work before the ball gets to him to put himself in the right position to, uh, to, to be effective and, and to get more shots. But I will say that we do see regularly, especially down the stretch of tight games, we see the offense, uh, the Timberwolves' offense, kind of devolve into iso ball, where it's either Jimmy Butler or Andrew Wiggins or Jeff Teague, all three of them kind of pounding the air out of the ball, not moving it, not getting others involved, and becoming a lot easier to guard. And so the you know the problem with uh, it's, it's a blessing and a curse. One is Jimmy Butler and Andrew Wiggins can get their shot whenever they want it. The, but that, it's also a bad thing that they can get their shot whenever they want it to because sometimes that mucks up the rest of the offense and, and gets them into more a hero ball than into move the ball, get the best shot. And I, I do think that a guy who is as efficient as Towns, who has, was as incredible last night, six for six from three, they got to find a way to get him more involved and get him more stretch of those games. There's too many times where it was Jimmy Butler from 21 feet contested and, and, and it didn't work out. Are the Wolves going to make a trade before 2 p.m. today in your mind? I, I don't think so, guys. I've been doing a ton of work uh, on this, and one of the reasons that I wasn't able to appear earlier was just phone calls coming left and right. And, you know, Tibbs is asking me my opinions, of course, and really trying to pick my brain on all of these things. Of course he is. Tibbs, i, I got to get on the radio here. Hold on. But <laughs> Yeah, where are um, your priorities, dude? Come on now. <laughs> but, uh, no, but everyone I talk to around the league who has had some conversations with the Wolves they just don't see really a, a dance partner for them. The, the Wolves do not want to give up the OKC first-round pick next year, which is really their best asset to move in a trade. Gorgie Jang is not, is not bringing a lot of people to the table to offer anything of real substance. They may, tr- they may be able to unload Shabazz Muhammad, but I, I, if there's a deal to be done before the deadline, it's going to be pruning and tweaking and not something like the Cavaliers just pulled off with a major, you know, a major kind of reshuffling of the deck. Yeah. Uh, Dante Cunningham, is that, what's the story there? They've been, I mean, they've been trying to get him back, I feel like, for two or three years. They have, yeah. They, they really recruited him hard this summer. Um, even Glenn Taylor and Becky Taylor got in and were calling 
Dante to try and convince him to come here, um, and he ultimately took a little more money with New Orleans. Um, and and so it, he would fit what they what they could bring to the table in terms of they need a defensive guy, um, a rugged rebounder, and a guy who can hit some shots. He doesn't bring the three-point shot that they need, but from a defensive standpoint, from a little bit more versatility uh, with that second unit, he'd be a nice a nice little addition. They have tried hard in the past to get him, and I know that New Orleans going to make a decision on whether they go for the playoffs or if they look to recoup some some assets going forward. So if they could pry him loose, that would be a nice little move. But again, not anything that's going to be earth shattering. That's going to make the difference between them being the three seed or the five seed. Yeah. Uh, Johnny Krasinski from the athletic is with us here. We're about two hours away from the NBA trade deadline. You know, I mentioned this to Judd off the top of the show, LeBron James doesn't rave about a lot of opponents. I feel like, I mean, like right after the game was over, he spent two questions on ESPN raving about Jimmy Butler and that's the one thing I love the most about this Wolves team, Johnny, and Jimmy Butler and his presence, that they can go toe-to-toe and shot-for-shot, punch-for-punch with maybe the greatest player of all time, and Jimmy Butler doesn't give a bleep. You know, he goes out and he and he defends LeBron James for 45 minutes, albeit not particularly well, and he still puts up his numbers, 35 points and six assists and five rebounds, whatever it was. Uh, it's just a really good attitude and a really good... Uh, hired gun to have on your side. Yeah, I mean, he like Tibbs has said it uh, several times this year, but he he really has changed the culture here. I mean, it was it was a team that was kind of young and up and coming, and and would be take moral victories and and kind of was on the long might be really good, but if we lose games right now, it's not a big deal because we're worried about development and. Butler has come in and has been unyielding, and he has been relentless and has been all about winning. And if you don't win that night, uh, then you failed. And he's not going to just say, uh, well, I'm, I'm really happy that we were in the game with, with LeBron James. It's uh, no. And, and so you need that kind of temperament, I think, if you're going to make that jump not into just playoff contention, but into try win a series or two. It's, uh, it's, it's having that veteran presence, him and Taj Gibson both, of, of not settling. And forever and ever, this, this organization has been willing to settle, and, and, and they're not willing to do that anymore. And a large part of it is because of Jimmy Butler. Go check out Johnny's stuff. He's writing now for The Athletic. You can follow The Athletic in Minnesota on uh, social media. Johnny does some great work over there. I know Britt Robson's writing for the Wolves, uh, or writing about the Wolves, and now you guys have Chad Graff covering Vikings, so all kinds of good stuff, man. Thanks, Johnny. See you, John. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. All right, trade deadline coming up in about two hours, and it sounds like all's pretty much quiet on the Wolves' front, but... That's not surprising. Yeah, in fact, let's let's talk a little bit more about that. If they don't make a trade, I think it's smart for them to not make a big trade. And we can talk about that when we come back. Also, maybe this is worth getting into in the noon hour. You found a story about Doug Peterson, something that the Eagles do that I think all football teams should do. And it doesn't seem like many are are on this, I guess, wagon, so to speak. Mackie and Judd in the TCL Broadcast Studios. 